Wayne, we finally did it. What do we do, Ben? We get Dave Grohl as a guest? Well, we didn't do that. What about Eric Church? Get Eric Church as a guest? Is that it? We didn't do that either, but... Oh, man. Then you got to tell me you got Shania Twain, my, my, my rock and roll crush. She's going to be on the show, right? We didn't do that either. We finally joined Patreon. Oh, we did, did we? We, we did, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the podcast. And, of course, depending on the tier that you select, you can get access to episodes a week before they go live to all of our listeners. And also as a special treat, at the guest revisitor level, you can join us for an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. And we might also just have a special guest join us for that episode as well. And all new Patreons at all levels will be invited to our first ever live stream event on May 18th when we talk about one of the greatest records of all time, The Clash's London Calling. And speaking of favorites, one of our favorite guests, Ira Elliott of Not A Surf, is going to join us for that live stream. So go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast. That's all one word to sign up. And we'll give shout outs on our episodes for all new revisitors. So big shout-outs to our first four Patreon revisitors. That includes Kevin Peters, who's our first-ever patron. Thanks a ton, Kevin. Also, shout-outs to Tim Reed, Andy B., and Carly Anderson, all new patrons. Thank you all so much. And I'm going to be purging the closet. There's going to be some T-shirt giveaways at some point, too. And a few of those names you will hear on upcoming episodes because they joined at our guest revisitor level. I think one of them has already selected a Bruce Springsteen record to talk about. He did. He's already marked his territory on that one. All right. You ready for the actual episode? Absolutely. Cue up the intro music. Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who has told me on one on more than one occasion when he takes as many vacations, and I quote, I'm tired of wasting my time away, so I'm giving it back to you, giving it back to you. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, you could have done something from Get Old, too. Yeah, I could have done that as well. Um, for this episode, we have a special guest. Um, Wayne, you realize I say that now for every single dang episode? Say we have a special guest? All of our guests are special, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. So uh, he's a singer-songwriter based in New York. His most recent record is called What Kind of World? We're going to talk about that and give it a little promotion. So please welcome to the podcast. And I should have asked be- be- beforehand. So is it Benoit? Is this going to be the pronunciation question? Or is it yeah. Benoit? So, all right. So my, my family has always said Benoit, but uh, most, okay. most, most of the French-speaking world would take a lot of issue with that and, and say, no, it's Benoit, but I say all Benoit. Right. <laughs> all right. So please welcome to the podcast, Joe Benoit. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Um, I had to find another lyric. You you already made mention, Wayne, that um, you know for your introduction. I already used lyrics for "I'm sick of myself" when we had when the we man did, himself. Uh, Beast. Yeah. Oh, that's we, right. N- no, when we had the man himself, ah. Matthew Sweet was on the podcast. So um, there we go. 
I listened to that show, by the way, and it was very cool. I, I mean, like, I'm a huge Matthew Sweet fan, but that was that was a great interview you guys did with him. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a great guy. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little I was a little nervous because you know, um, you know, he's been he's been doing this for a long time, so he could have absolutely told us, "I'm not doing your scoring crap. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I'm above that." Um, and but he played along and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Oh, well, he's a much bigger deal than I am. So, uh, <laughs> so I get why you would have been nervous talking to him. I would have been too. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of, it, of each episode, I ask the all important question: What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Well, I was. I am wearing my second Ramon shirt. I was inspired by uh, the EP cover of Joe's, where he appears to pay homage to the Ramon's debut as well as the Bruce Springsteen debut. That's right. On uh, Greetings from Forest Hills, New York. So I'm wearing another Ramon shirt. Probably the last right. time. It feels it's kind of tight. All right. Uh, how about you, Joe? What T-shirt are you wearing? Yeah, I wrestled with the decision. Uh, I, I thought of a Ramones shirt as well. I, I live in Forest Hills, so I was thinking I could I could rep the the Ramones as I did with that EP cover. Uh, yeah. And I've got a bunch of cool TV show shirts and stuff. I've got some really cool like shows. Uh, like you guys, community fans. You got, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a big community. First couple seasons. I'm a big yeah. I'm a big fan, and I got a couple of really cool shirts there. But ultimately, I settled on a, a Matthew Sweet shirt that I got at a show he played. Uh, up in Hudson, New York, which is maybe okay. about, if you don't know the area, maybe about two, three hours up from the city. Um, and in the last several years, it was definitely the best show I'd heard him do. Um, and I got to talk to Jason Victor and Rick Mankabit after the show. Um, Jason Victor just killed it. I mean, like, he's definitely, since Richard Lloyd and all those guys, like, he is like the best guitar player that he's had in the live setting, I think, in a really long while. Um, so anyway, that's where I got this shirt. I think Matthew designed it himself is what I think the story is behind it. Very cool. All right. Um, so I am wearing Wayne. Uh, I am wearing a, a new T-shirt. This is uh, Griff. So this nice. is Christopher Griffiths, if you remember him from our Butch Walker episode. So... Um, <laughs> I uh I got some swag from 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 Griff. So it's the uh it's the one-eyed cat that's on the uh, the the t-shirt. Nice. And if you don't know what the significance of the one-eyed cat is, you'll have to go listen to that episode. So that was that was a lot of fun. He is a blast. That was another fun one. Um and and he even sent me a a message when I told him that I got my swag and he's like, "You let me know when you're ready to do a social distortion episode." <sighs> ready right so, now so because we did talk we did talk about that we did talk about that on that episode so joe um don't you know that you're never too old to be a rock star yeah i, I just well, wanted to throw that i mean here, here's here's hoping here's hoping um yeah i'm not that old but i feel like you know past the point that that's going to be a thing uh, although that's less maybe to do with age at this point and just more to do with society and the way the music industry works now and the fact that rock and roll has somehow become this like very specific niche kind of thing um you know it used to be like the dominant musical force and it's not that way anymore so um but you know 
those of us who are out there fighting the good fight, still trying to keep it alive in our own small way. You know what I mean? One one small room, one small club at a time. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, so how we got connected? So Joe caught me in a on Facebook in a moment right. where we had some available time slots, and he's like, "Hey, I'm hoping that you guys will promote my album." I'm like, "Why don't you just come on the on an episode and?" you can promote it yourself. Yeah, and thank you again for uh, agreeing to have me on. Uh, admittedly, I didn't know a ton about the podcast at the time. I was just trying to like anybody who was any, you know, had anything to do with new music and rock music and anything. I was just trying to reach out, see if people would, you know, give give the new album a shot, see what they thought of it. And uh then when I started to see some of the folks that you guys had spoken to, not, you know, Matthew Sweet, and I saw that you had Aaron Lee Tashjan on, who also talked about Matthew Sweet, if I'm remembering correctly. You are correct. Um, Altered Beast. Yeah. Right, right. So I had seen all of that, and I was like, oh, these guys seem like they talked to some cool people. I should, like, connect with them. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. And we're talking to you. So, you know, the yeah. cool people thing is continuing. So, yeah. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, so. So give us a little uh, give us a little history of of Joe. So you you uh, you mentioned that you're in New York, um, right? Did you grow grow up in New York? So I grew up across the river in Jersey. Okay. Um, I mean, I was born in the city, but yeah, pretty much all my you know went to school and did all of the usual growing up adolescent teenage whatever stuff. That was all New Jersey. It's kind of in like Bruce Springsteen territory. I mean, I like that sort of northern Jersey Shore, central New Jersey. So like that's kind of like. Springsteen Town or, you know, Bon Jovi Land or whatever. So that that part of the state. Um, and then uh, went to college in PA. I, I did play in a band out there for a while. Never really went anywhere, but we, we were in the Lehigh Valley kind of playing that okay. circuit there for a while. And then uh, I guess when I was like 22, 23, I uh, moved to New York. And I've been here now for the last like 15, 16 years, whatever it's been. And I've played... In a few different bands, I had a band called The Regulars there for a while. We did a couple of EPs, um, similar kind of vibe, like kind of like power pop meets classic rock meets like '90s alt rock or something like that. Yeah. Um, and and I was still the guy singing lead and the guy writing most of the music and stuff. So the sound wasn't so different than what I do on the solo records, but it had its own thing, I guess, just based on who the other players in the band were. Um, and then, like you mentioned, I've put out a couple of records. Recently, one just in January um, that I recorded throughout the COVID thing, just recorded at home, um, and had some friends contribute their tracks remotely, which I hadn't ever tried that whole experiment before, but it worked out real well. Um, and uh, I had done a solo record in 2019, which that was kind of a big one for me because I pressed it to vinyl, and I'm a big vinyl guy, um, and I, never, I had never, never pressed anything to like the LP format before, and I did that. I ran like a Kickstarter campaign, raised a few thousand bucks, pressed the album, and that felt like a, an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, that was the Too Old to Be a Rockstar album that right. you referenced earlier. Right. But yeah, that's kind of the deal with me, and I've been, I guess, here on and off in, uh, you know, in the New York scene for like whatever it's been, 15 years, give or take, sometimes solo, sometimes in a band. So, What's the day job? Day job, I'm a teacher. I'm a high school teacher. Okay. Um, I work down in Brooklyn. I've been doing that. I guess 13 years. So most of my time in New York's been doing that. I, I tried the corporate thing for a while before that, and I, I was just not cut out for that whatsoever. Um, 
tried it, and then the recession back in 07 kind of kicked me to the curb, and I just figured, like, all right, maybe someone's trying to tell me something. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in this world of, you know, glass, shiny office buildings and people that are, well, you said keep it PG-13, but, well, you know. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I just sort of never looked back. I, start, I got a teaching license, and I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. What, what do you teach? Uh, math, high school math. Okay. Yeah, but you, I do. I run a music program too. Sometimes I get to teach like a music elective, and I do like some guitar stuff and piano stuff after school, where I get to work with the kids and teach them some music things, which is always fun. Okay. You don't come across as a math teacher. Yeah, I get that a lot. People are like, "Really? That's what you do?" It's like, "Yeah, that's, that's what I do." <laughs> I guess maybe I have a stereotype for math teachers, Wayne. Uh, I mean. I'm super good at math too, so I, I I absolutely get it. You were not super good at math. I I am still to this day very good at math. Well, then what the heck happened? I wasn't I, very good at school. Oh, okay. I'm that excellent was, at math. That was it. Because I remember you and I tried to uh, tried to drop what was it? Uh, trigonometry. Trigonometry, and they wouldn't Mrs. let Paulette. us. I still remember that name. She Gosh, came in I and drugged me out. Took me back. I hated her. Let me sit there really, every day. I really hated her. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my students like me. I think for the most part, I think that's I'm, what, I'm that's like what you think. That's what I, you I mean, think. I, yeah, you never know. Uh, <laughs> they 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 seem to like me. Some of them come right out and say that they like me or think that like you know I'm a great math teacher or whatever. Um, you know, I have. I'm, I'm, I am, I guess, a little younger and a little bit more hip to some things than I suppose whatever the stereotypical math teacher is that I guess people yeah. kind of conjure up in their brains. So do they do they at least think okay, well this dude also plays guitar and he sings, so I guess he can't be that bad? Yeah, they kind of think think that's cool like, you know, like I don't necessarily lead with that at the beginning of the year because you're trying to like set the tone and be like, "All right, this is this is the class and this is what we're going to study syllabus and all the the crap that you have to talk about." But usually pretty early on, I want them to know who I am as a person, right? I don't want to just be like this robot like teaching, you know, geometry or algebra or something. So yeah, usually pretty early on, I let them know that like I'm a singer and a songwriter, and then they look my stuff up, and they're like, "Whoa, you're on Spotify, and you're on YouTube, and you people have listened to your music." It's like, oh, yeah, I, I told you that. Like, that's what I said that. Yeah. Um, and then, and now you but, can uh, tell everybody. Oh yeah, well, I was also on Records Revisited podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's, and that's kind of a big now, deal. Highlight. No, I'm just kidding. now now I'm a superstar. You know. Yeah. Now I am a rock star officially. I know. I we just launched our Patreon um last weekend and so we've got we've got four four patrons i i should have listed their names down so i could could have given them a shout out but but wayne's like people want to support us like i'm still shocked i barely want to i'm shocked by the whole thing (laughs) it is Uh, always very cool and very humbling when anybody is willing to help you do anything yeah. creative or artistic. Like I, I, I find that all the time when somebody's like, you know, yeah, I'll buy your your album at a show for twenty bucks, and I'm like, really? You don't mind parting with that twenty bucks? I mean, like, I'll gladly take it, but that's that's awesome, you know. Um, but yeah, every 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 uh, every contribution is a win, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I appreciate that there are other people out there that. Um, appreciate what we're trying to bring to the table and yeah i mean yeah when we launched this two and a half years ago wayne uh if you would have said that we've had a patreon page and 
we got to talk to Matthew Sweet. I would have called you a dirty liar. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying the journey. So, <laughs> well, the the concept is great. Uh, we'll just tell you that. I, I love the idea of like talking about a certain album, you know, or at least a pretty well known album. Talking about the tracks piece by piece, the ranking. I mean, I really I like the format that you guys have. It's cool. Well, they're not always known. We, <laughs> I mean. The, the, the last album that we uh, the last album that we discussed was is not even on Spotify. Okay, so Throwing Muses uh, self titled debut uh, is not out there. Okay, but yeah, still a good one. It's still a great one. Absolutely, it's still a great one. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about a little bit of your influences. So you you mentioned in your Spotify bio that. Uh, uh, you're fan, fans of artists such as Tom Petty, Cheap Trick, Beatles, Beach Boys, Queen, CSNY, Big Star, Raspberries, Replacements, Matthew Sweet, Gin Blossoms, or, or Soul Asylum. We'll find something to like in Joe's catalog. And so I was, I was re-listening to your to your album today, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can hear Queen there. Oh yeah, I can hear Big Star there. Yeah. So how how did you? I mean that. You're talking my wheelhouse. If you if you're talking jangle pop, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about the power pop stuff. Oh yeah, me too. So how did you? Because you're you're younger than Wayne and I. So how would how did you get introduced to things like re- the replacements and and Big Star? Yeah. So I mean, I guess uh, I have to give some credit to um, my good friend Sam, who not only mixed the last album um, and has done some production work with me in the past, but also played in my last band here in the city with me. Longtime friend of mine, like, you know, 20 plus years. And um, he, who's, he's a little older than me. I mean, he's in his 40s, so he's not so much older than I am, but he's got like just a few more years on me and i don't know where he learned about things like the replacements and big star and stuff but some of that just slightly off like from center like that not not completely mainstream like every rock fan knows about it i have to credit him for turning me on to a lot of stuff you know like super drag or uh or the posies or and anything that's sort of like guys like us would be like oh my god those guys are the best but you would go to some people and they'd be like uh, you know, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't really, the name recognition wouldn't be there. Um, so I have to give him some credit for that for sure. And then, you know, once you start discovering things, one thing just leads to the next, you know, you learn how great the replacements are and then you start learning, to, listening to Westerberg solo stuff and you're like, you figure out what's good in that and what's not so good in that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, hopefully, hopefully you listen to our, our uh, Posies episode. I, I have not heard that. I guess it was big star episode. Uh, but we had Ken Stringfellow from the Posies. Okay. Yeah, he seems like just the nicest guy. He's so awesome. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. That's the vibe he puts off. I mean, I've never met him, but he just seems like he'd be a really cool guy. Um, Unfortunately, Wayne wasn't on that episode. So, so sorry. It was like in France at 10 o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. I yeah. got a job. I, yeah. I don't teach math, but I was working. <laughs> So, so how about the raspberries? Who who introduced you to the raspberries? Jeez, I feel like I've been listening to the raspberries for a while. I've, I that could have been another one that my buddy Sam, going back okay. ten or fifteen years, would have been like. Because you know the funny thing is, like I I grew up listening to 
a lot of like the sort of classic rock staples that everybody listen. You know, every, everybody's heard Zeppelin and Floyd yeah. and Tom Petty, and like there's there's that like that canon of rock music going back to the '60s and the '70s, and everybody hears it and everybody knows it, and you know, a lot of people love it. I love a lot of that stuff too. Um, but at some point, I guess it became obvious to some some of the music musical people in my circle that I was always like super drawn to melody and super drawn to like the hooks and super drawn to like the big harmonies and stuff. And a lot of people were like, you know, I, I think I think what you're you're really gravitating towards and I think some of the music that you write is really kind of this like power pop genre, which mm-hmm. if you would have said that to me like in the nineties when I was like kind of first playing in bands or first learning how to play the guitar and stuff, that phrase would have meant nothing to me. Um yeah. but then as I got more exposure and I was in New York and playing with different people. A lot of people started hearing things like the raspberries, like in my music, you know? And then I guess one thing leads to another and then you're like, Oh yeah, I've heard go all the way before, but then you start to dig and go like, Oh my God, this stuff. I mean, those four albums are among my favorite albums just ever recorded period. You know, the second one in particular, I think fresh is just an insanely good rock, rock and roll album. In my opinion, you're, Um, you're trying to give me homework, aren't you? I only know that first. I only know that first album with. Oh really? Go all the way, yeah. I think the second album bests it. To be honest with okay. you, you know, I mean, right from the opening track, you've heard. Um, I want to be with you, right? That's like yeah. the that's like the second string hit, you know, after Go All the Way. But that yeah. song is awesome. That song is like the perfect like fifties, sixties, like early rock kind of thing. Um, right. And it just goes from there. Everything on that album, the songwriting. The, the ballads, everything about I just think that's a great album. So yeah, if you're not as familiar with that second round. And then the third one's cool because the the, the the third album then takes on a little bit more, it's it gets a little more like muscular, a little more like 70s who, you know? So everything's okay. a little bit, a little more overblown and distorted. And so if you're more of like a hard rock guy, it starts to lean into that stuff a little bit more. But really, that, that, that whole catalog is just so awesome. So yeah. awesome. So let's talk about a couple of the songs on your record. So there must be a reason. I I I got a big star vibe to that one. Was that what what you were trying to go for? Maybe. I mean, I, maybe <laughs> not not intentionally, but I'll take yeah. that for sure. I mean, if you're getting, I mean, because I I love Big Star. Um, and I feel like I I think you know, say some people are like Chris Bell people, and some people are Alex Chilton people. I think I'm a Chris Bell guy. I think just in terms of what I, I I don't know the stuff that I'm most drawn to um, so yeah I think there's some of that for sure I had in mind actually when I wrote that song, maybe the slightest bit. Do you guys listen to Dwight Twilley at all? Um, I do, I do have. Which one do I have? I think I have Girls. Okay. Yeah. So is, that, is it is that the name of the album or is that the name of the song? I, well, there's a song called Girls. Um, Whichever album that's on, I have that one. Yeah. But well, there, that's there's good stuff when he when he does his more ballady stuff. 
Um, like, there's a song that always used to get stuck in my head back in the 90s, and I had no idea that it was a Dwight Twilley song, like, whatsoever. But do you guys remember in, in the first Wayne's World movie, there was that song, Why You Want to Break My Heart? Yeah. I don't... You remember that? And that's a Dwight Twilley song, right? Oh, okay. I, and I had no clue. I had no clue, because I didn't really know again until I started... Because that, that was Tia singing that one. Exactly. Right, right, yeah. right. She was, like, yeah. singing it, I don't know, at, like, a video shoot or something. I don't remember right. the scene in the movie, but I always thought, like, you know... As far it's a little cheesy, it's a rock ballad, but I always thought the, the the melody on it was really catchy, and I had no idea that it was a Dwight Twilley song that he released in the early '80s. Um, okay. I don't know. So it, for it, I think subconsciously I had some of that in my brain when I wrote that song, but who knows, right? It's, it's such <laughs> yeah. a mix like of stuff when you're writing music. How about uh, Wrong Turn? So I I wrote down Cheap Trick vibe. Yeah, Cheap Trick is right. I mean, it's definitely 70s hard rock, so Cheap Trick, I mean, I was definitely, when we were mixing it, I was definitely listening to, like, like Highway to Hell and just listening to, like, the, the balance yeah. on the guitars and the tone on the guitars, because that one kind of snarls a lot. You know, that song is a little bit more, you know, at least in the guitar tones, more of that ACDC Cheap Trick, I think, is a good call. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the latest Cheap Trick record? Yeah, yet? actually, I just listened to it yesterday morning. I don't, I don't have it right. on physical copy yet because I don't think the vinyl's out for like another month or two. It and, is um, not right. Yeah, but I, I listened to it just on Spotify or something. I, I think it's great. I mean, have you guys heard it? I haven't listened to it yet. It's a, it's, it's yeah, queued I up. I haven't listened to yeah, it. Yeah, the yet. the critics are at least Rolling Stone and like I don't they know like if it. that. You well, I've one or two of the articles I read were sort of like oh it's great but it just sounds like cheap trick being cheap trick like there's so many other better albums in their catalog but it's like these guys who've been around this long at their age with robin still sounding as good and as strong yeah. and as like powerful as he does it's like how is more cheap trick a bad thing you know i so i the couple reviews that i read that had that sentiment i was sort of like yeah i'm not gonna get on board with this i think this is a really cool album and i think the writing is good and the band sounds confident and tight and it's it's awesome so return back to dream police time period oh man i don't know what album it most reminded me of i mean okay. some of I, I will admit that some of the stuff they've done in the more recent part of the 2000s because they've worked with that same producer whose name is escaping me right now uh wayne do you know do you know, who's the guy producer. who's been producing them no, recently I, julian I something 
I thought it was written. He, he he's co-written a couple tracks with them, and he's definitely been the guy who's like produced the last like few albums, like and everything they've done since maybe like at least the last three or four that they've put out, like since going back to like 2016, and maybe maybe it goes back further than that. But um, yeah, I don't know. If you've liked the records that they've done, there's no reason you wouldn't like the new one. It's solid. I I got some shade, Wayne, when we did our at Budokan episode. <laughs> I, I mentioned how much I hated woke up with a monster and ah. and and a couple people on the on the socials nailed me on it and said you didn't listen to it enough. I'm like, well, <laughs> guess what? I'm not going to listen to it anymore because I already sold it. <laughs> so, sorry about that. <laughs> Anyways, every band had one of those records in the '90s, right? Yeah, every '70s it, band, you know, Kiss had a record like that, like this sort of like we're gonna try to like buy into the grunge thing a little bit, you know, change the clothes and change the hair. Um, no, it just wasn't yeah. good, um, and I'm not gonna re-listen to it. Um, Waiting for a revolution is your most listened to song on Spotify. Yeah, that might be right. What? Why? Is it was that on a playlist of some sort or? It definitely made its way around to some playlists. Um, it okay. was the it was the first song on Too Old to Be a Rockstar, and I definitely had pushed it a little bit as a single, you know, yeah. whatever that even means anymore. Uh, with you know, but yeah, we're not, we're not even sure anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, and like, I'm still excited about it, albums, right? I mean, part of why I was interested to do this podcast is like, oh, cool, we can talk about a whole album in like detail. Like, that's how I like to listen to music. I'm not. I don't, I mean, comps are great, but like for me, it's like a studio album. Like that's how I want to listen to music. And if I could do it on a record as opposed to like a CD or streaming or something, that's even better. Um, But you know, plenty of people don't think about it that way. For them, it's a song. And if they even have the attention span to get through, you know, all of the song, it's kind of crazy. Um, But yeah, Waiting for Revolution. And that one, if there's a song where I'm really wearing the, the Tom Petty influence on my sleeve, I think it might be that one. You know, jangly guitar, soaring chorus. I mean, it's I don't I don't know. It's I, my voice doesn't sound a lot like Tom Petty's. I don't have the southern drawl and that kind of storyteller thing that he's got that he always did so well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the vibes are there, and I think the that that feel and that intent I think maybe comes through, and it's catchy, and I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I dig it. Thanks. Um, maybe it's because of that Tom Petty vibe. I don't know if I had told you, so um, next week I am going on the podcast Playlist Wars. 
So our our, our buddy Brian from uh, Tune Styles, uh, they put Tune Styles on hiatus for a little while, and he's joined his high school bud, also from Jersey. I can't remember what part of Jersey they're they're from, Joe. So they invited me to pick ten songs to put together a playlist for Tom Petty, and um, this has been tough. Like I don't, I I had to like I your personal to top off. ten. Yeah, and I had to knock off a bunch of really good songs to put together a top 10. So Yeah, it, it, it's hard. I think a lot of casual listeners just like they think of him as a greatest hits artist, you know? They think of that like album that came out and I guess it was what, like 93 when when they did like Mary Jane's Last Dance. And it was huge. Yeah. And it was huge and it sold like gangbusters and like every track is phenomenal, but man, when you start to dig through those albums and you start to listen to the album tracks and realize just how many good songs there are or or even the standout tracks on a weak album, you know? Like yeah. I never thought Southern Accents was some amazing album, but I think that song is gorgeous. I love that song. Um, that is my so we put together 10 songs on a playlist, and that is my second to last song on the playlist is Southern Accents. Yeah, it's a great tune. It's a great song. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's a personal song to me, and you'll just have to listen to their <laughs> podcast to look at find you. out why. Get you with the shameless plug. Ah, shameless we'll plug. I know. You're welcome, Brian and Gomez. There you go. You're welcome. All right. Well, um, Joe, tell us tell us what record you chose to revisit for your episode. Uh, all right. So we are going to revisit 100% Fun by Matthew Sweet, uh, my okay. personal favorite Matthew Sweet album. I know I know everybody likes to talk about Girlfriend, and yes, that was great, but for me, it's 100% Fun. That's the album. You know, I th- so I threw it out there on the socials because I, I was listening to the CD earlier, um, uh, earlier this week, and... Uh, I threw out there, hey, I'm listening to 100% Fun. Is is this the favorite or is it Girlfriend? Yeah, I saw that post. Now, now here's the deal. When I when I when I refound that CD a couple months ago, I listened to it. I don't know when it was. Um, October, November, whenever it was that I found refound it because I had it on CD back in the day, and you know that got sold and who knows when um but i but i refound it and i posted it then and i didn't say anything about let's compare it to girlfriend i just said i think this might be my favorite matthew sweet record and everybody agreed with me and so i was i I was expecting them i was expecting them to say this again that they agreed with me and this time i had more people tell me no 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 it's girlfriend yeah so yeah to me i agree this is my favorite too and i think a lot of it is that he it feels like he just caught his stride like he like he really fell into who he was and and everything that he had he kind of has he does have a unique sound and i think it's more prevalent here yeah you can hear his his you know the beatles influence and the big star influence on him even but he's it's it sounds like it sounds like Matthew like if you played this song for me out of the blue I thought it's Matthew Sweet I I, I recognize it right off it's got those all yeah. those guitars all those guitars and oh, it just yeah. sounds great yeah it's a, it's I mean we'll talk about this as we go I'm sure but it's also just from a production standpoint to me it's sort of like a gold standard record I, I find that when I make my own music I'm constantly trying to say to myself and listen and go does this sound as good 
as what Brendan O'Brien produced on 100% Fun. I mean, that guy's just a right. monster producer, no matter who, who what STP, Pearl Jam, whatever. But like everything he always ever touched in my brain is just like sounds so good. But um, but this record because I'm such a fan of the songs and the songwriting, and because the production is so solid, you know, um, yeah, that that for me is also part of what seals the deal. And and keep in mind, um, if you're saying that this is you know your favorite. I mean, this definitely did have some commercial success as well. It did. Which Altered Beast, did not. which we talked about a couple months ago, did not. Um, even though that's a great record as well. It's oh, different, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I think that this, this, this is the record that should have followed, followed up Girlfriend. Like, this is more radio-friendly. There's some, some radio-friendly tunes on this. Altered Beast was... You know, it was, uh, it was different. I dark. love, the, I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's dark. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I love it as well. But um, you know, I think that he was still in the process of building the audience. I need to have some radio hits. I need to have something that is still going to be played on MTV because they right. were still doing videos back then. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Yeah. So. Well, thank God we got Altered Beast because we got someone to pull the trigger. I mean, which is maybe the most gut-wrenching, heartbreaking thing that he ever wrote. Um, I mean, and he in a catalog full of stuff that has that kind of quality to it. But that song, I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, just, you know, those chorus lyrics. That'll gut you every time. Yeah. I can't remember. Do you, Wayne, do you recall what our top song was on Altered Beast? Oh, no, because I'm now drawing a blank on mine because it... Uh there were two I versions can't of what the my... one. The song I, I, my favorite was the song that has two different versions on there, and I can't remember. Oh, Ugly Truth. Yes. Ugly Truth. Yeah. 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 You know, while you look that up, I will just show you. This is this is still my original copy of Hundred Percent Fun that I've had since the summer of '95. Wow. Um, and but but of course I've also I've repurchased the every time it's gotten reissued I've got a couple of vinyl reissues the most okay. recent one is is Killer Intervention Records did that like double disc reissue I don't know if you guys follow that label at all I or s- I saw yeah I saw it every every so often I think it's because I post I've posted about Matthew Sweet on Facebook yeah the algorithm has found me for Matthew Sweet so anytime yeah, he is promoting <laughs> something. Um, I see an advertisement for Matthew Sweet. Not complaining. I'm I'm completely okay having that before you know, whatever else crap that they're going to send me. All right, I'm looking. Um, Altered Beast, Time Capsule. That was our top song. Nice. Because Aaron Lee and I both had that as our top song. And you had, yeah, you had Ugly Truth Rock, Wayne, as your top song on that one. Which, that's that's great. And of course, Wayne went with the um, the raucous version, not the ugly truth, but the rocking version of Ugly Truth Rock. So, know where his sensibilities are. The, the non fiddle version. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I even exactly. reference that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, I mentioned that this did well uh, commercially. It was number two on the Billboard Rock Chart. Actually, the single sick of myself which we're going to talk about was was number two on the on the rock chart um title of the album comes from what that's good trivia you guys drawing a blank i yeah i don't know that i know wikipedia and i don't know if this is 
Correct. The title of the album was derived from Kurt Cobain's 1994 Suicide Note. Okay, I did read that, but I couldn't find the Suicide Note, so I don't know I, how that. I, how did he? How did he get a copy? I don't. Well, <laughs> yeah, because Courtney point. read it. <laughs> I don't even I don't, like the sound of her name. And I think the personnel is pretty similar to Altered Beast. Um, actually, I think Greg is it Lays. Yeah, the guy who plays the pedal steel. Yeah, he didn't play on Altered Beast, though he is on Girlfriend, mm-hmm. and he is. Uh, I did see that he is credited on uh, some of the under the covers records that Matthew has done with Susanna. Right. So uh, personnel, we have Matthew who plays pretty much everything and anything, which um, is not surprising considering that his last album, he pretty much did everything yeah, it was just him and rick mank yeah it was just him and rick mank so yeah. rick of course is on on this album as well um so he plays drums on what five or six songs yeah about half of the album you've got Stuart johnson who plays the the drums on the others the other songs uh you got uh, richard lloyd of course on a number of songs he's on he's on like five songs on this one as well right yeah i think actually a lot of the bigger the most well-known tracks i think richard lee uh, richard lloyd's doing the lead work definitely yeah. on sick of myself and then richard quinn who um is also on altered beast and uh, others uh he also provides guitars and then brendan o'brien he does a number of uh in- musical instruments as well yeah, he does some of the, the, the tasty piano stuff is him. The tasty piano. <laughs> yeah. The Mellotron. Harpsichord. Yeah, he's a, the harpsichord, which I'm sure we're going to talk about because that's pretty prominent on that song. The clavinet. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else we want to talk about on personnel? Production? Yeah, anything just, on production? Just, just that it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't I know I said it already so if you're going to edit out one of the times that I've said it you feel free to do that but I can't overstate how good a sounding of an album I think this really is um it's it's awesome I mean but I feel that way about a lot of what Brendan O'Brien was doing at that time period like I think like the second Stone Temple Pilots album just as it love or hate that band I think that's an amazing sounding record the drums yeah. the guitars the way that album gels and just sounds is is awesome i mean if i can make something that sounds that good ever i feel like i'm doing something right well and all the pearl jam records all of them yeah as well it's true all right um so let's let's dive into this as a reminder our scoring is based on number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on this record 12 means our top song is going to get 12 points next favorite song 11 points on down to lowest score of one and uh, I did make the uh, I did make the executive decision to not do the Japanese CD version because there there are two two extra tracks on that which I couldn't find out there. Um, maybe you you found them on some sharing site, but I couldn't find them. Uh, Sense of Adventure is one song, and the other song is Slowly. Those are good tracks. Those are good tracks, and I only I have say to that. Take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you guys ever wind up wanting, I don't know if you're into records or not, but if you wind up checking out that reissue that I was mentioning, the double disc yeah. one, there's a whole is, second disc. Is that it has, on there? 
Yeah, along with some other stuff like, you know, Japanese-only releases or, you know, B-sides or things that never made it to the original album, but they're good. I mean, like, they, they, they stand up to, like, maybe not the top songs on the album, but, like, whatever, like, those middle-of-the-pack songs are, they, they, they okay. fit right in with them. So it makes for a pretty cool listening experience to hear just, like, an extended version of the album, I think. Very good. Yeah. Very good. All right, let's kick this off. This is Sick of Myself. As I made mention, this reached number two on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. I tried to find out what kept it out of the number one position, but um, Billboard will only allow me to see the Modern Rock chart in 1994 and 95 if I pay them money. So, sorry, Billboard, I'm not going to do that. All right, so here, here were some of the songs around that time. Of when it when it came out, let let's see if um, any of these songs are as good as "Sick of Myself." So, uh, in early March, March nineteenth, Tori Amos's "God" was the number one modern rock song. Better better song than "Sick of Myself." I would say no. Not to me. All right. After her was The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I Get from Morrissey. And that was on the, that was number one for seven weeks. Better song? I like Morrissey, but I don't think it's better. No. All right. And then after Morrissey, Selling the Drama from Live was uh, number one modern rock track for three weeks. That's not, not a better song. It's not a better song in my book, although, you know. I mean, that album had some some tracks that were cool. Throwing Copper, that was it was all right. It's it's not this album, at least to my taste, but Yeah. And and Wayne, if you want to uh, diss on Toad the Wet Sprocket. Why, fall, how did I get fall, this rap fall, as fall, not fall. liking them? I don't quite fall, know how that happened. Fall Down was a number one modern rock track for six weeks, starting in June of 1994. Six weeks. Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Give give me some some love for for this song. Joe, why do you love this song? Oh, man. I mean... From from just the the crunchy guitar tones from like as soon as it kicks in you know like as soon as it kicks in you're like oh this is gonna be an awesome song you know it right away and all the that's way to- a great that's yeah. a great move with that chunky muted guitar strum it it reminded me of when a conduct 
conductor taps on the podium with his baton before an orchestra starts, like to get everybody's attention. Yeah. Get everybody facing forward. And, yeah. And Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it totally works. And then also the false endings, right? I mean, like the song ends three different times. I mean, how badass is that? It's so good. <laughs> it's yeah, so and that good. only works if the song is so good that you're sad that it's ending and then they start back up again. Right. It doesn't work. If, yeah, it's got to be a song that's so good that you're, dis, you, you dis, you're disappointed that it's ending. Yeah. And then, and then they start it back up again. Has he used that in other songs? I, I, I don't recall if he has. Has he used that technique? I've heard some sloppy endings on some of the songs, you know, where, you know, where it just, you know, the, the, the sort of descend into chaos ending that you'll sometimes hear, yeah. which isn't what this is. This is definitely a controlled, like, we're going to end it and then drum fill, drum fill, and then we're bringing it back. And then, you know, another chink, chink, chink on the guitar and then we're coming back again. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's done that exact type of thing another time. And I know the catalog pretty, pretty well. Um, okay. And, but yeah, it works so well. And then you just add in all the self-deprecating goodness that is the song. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, anything lyrically that we want to uh, touch on? Well, there's you know, there's a couple things, but I mean, like you touched on the self-deprecating, like the idea that this that the focus of affection, his affection is so uh, pretty and smart and and he that it makes he feels unworthy like I, it makes me sick of myself but i i think the line that really like knocks it out of the park is the baby you don't know like and I, i've known a couple i've everybody's probably known a couple of those women that are so pretty and smart and funny and that they don't they don't know that and it makes it it just gives it a whole nother dimension of the song and of, of that person and you just and i you can completely get where I like this is some of the best power pop ever put down on here. And like I say, and the cherry and the whipped cream and the chocolate syrup on top is Richard Lloyd. Like when he comes in, yeah. it just it gives it this this sharp edge that um, most Matthew Sweet songs are not known for. And it just but it has this real rock guitar in it that just comes out of nowhere on a record that's so full of guitar like there's so like matthew sweet's playing guitar on this richard lloyd's playing guitar on this brendan o'brien is probably playing some guitar on some of this and yeah. uh and just the the lead and the solo from richard lloyd in this is just like i say cherry on top yeah it's killer is, is he given a, a callback on the line of of in the chorus where he's something is beautiful and true in a world that's ugly and a lie. Is he, is he giving a shout uh, to ugly truth from, from the previous record or am I reading way too much into that? Hey, I, I didn't write the song. So I, I um, maybe should have asked Matthew. Damn it. <laughs> we missed our chance. Had, had all these questions. Damn. You got his email. I do. Yeah. So, all right. All right, let's uh, let's let's get some let's get some scores. This is this is my top song, Wayne. Ah, same here. I don't like the fact that you and I are agreeing. Uh, Joe, how about you? I gave it <laughs> ten. What's your score. This okay. was ten for me. All right. Um, spoiler alert! This is our top song. Should should we continue? <laughs> Considering that this is already no, we'll con- we'll continue. All right, next song is. Not when I need it.
I want to hear, I want to hear Wayne's interpretation of the lyrics on this one. Um. Well. Anything? Yeah. There's there's a dissatisfaction. There's some distrust. Um. I mean, he clearly has strong feelings for, and he and I. There's this. There's this. Uh, there's a couple of lines where he says, you know, I look at my life. I really can't complain. Um, but also when he's talking about there's relationship, there's he's not getting he's getting mostly what he wants, but not, I guess, when he well, of course, to, according to him, when he needs it. Um, and that creates it. There's like it's a very complex like relationships are tricky. And I mean, this is a I think he puts that in words uh, very effectively. Like it's not all cut and dry. You can be you you can be happy mostly. Um, but not quite all the time and and there's still some elements that are missing and not maybe not all the time yeah joe what do you got on this one i mean so lyrically i mean it's a lot of what wayne already talked about but i mean like i I know in my own life both as a musician and, and otherwise i've often struggled to just feel like satisfied Right. I mean, I, I I even have a song called Keep Me Satisfied, like from two albums ago, where it, it basically was me trying to tell myself, hey, be happy with what you've got. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if if if, if things are good, you should feel satisfied about that, you know, but it's like we all need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. And I guess that's what this song is about for me is just like that feeling of not not being satisfied, even if you have all or most of what you want, it's, I think, part of the human condition is that you could still just not feel happy, you know? Um, so, I don't know. That's that's my yeah. read on it, I guess. Look look me in the eye and tell me that I'm satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Westerberg's best song, maybe. Quoting, quoting Westerberg, not, yeah. uh, not sweet on that. Uh, harmonies at the end of this song... Uh, I wrote very pet sounds. Oh, big Beach Boys thing there, yeah. Yeah, or very thorns, because we talked about the thorns. That'll come. That'll come a few years later, but uh, yeah, you can you can tell that Matthew loves the harmonies because that's a that's a staple. That's a staple of his uh, of his catalog. Um, all right, anything else? Should we get scores? Let's do it. All right, Wayne score uh well when the first track is your top score there's no place to go but down so this was a four all right joe actually this was high for me this was 11 okay and this was my nine yeah next next song which is not the theme song for wayne and i this is called (laughs) we're we're the same Don't don't let the don't let the haircut fool you. We're we're not the same, um, or the goatee, or the. Or the I was going to ask if you guys were brothers because you you could pass for it if you if you wanted or needed to. <laughs> um, n- not when I need it. 
Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> harmonies on the chorus, strong. Uh, this is another song that just the harmonies kick in. Um, and I do, and I do love the, the the chorus. The chorus is what makes this song for me. What do you guys, what do you guys have on on, on this one? Joe, what do you got? Uh, we're doing scores or just kind of opinions right now? Just our thoughts. Opinions, scores, you want to intersperse? Yeah, them, I mean, I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about the chorus, right? That just kind of, it's it's great. Um, but I also love the lead guitar work, which, and I think it's Richard Lloyd on this one again. We could check that to be sure. I have the liner notes here. I think it's Richard Lloyd. Um, but all the little moving lines in the verse that kind of underscore what the lyrics are doing, I think are just awesome. They're simple, but they're like super tasty and they work really, really well. You know, um, they've got, you know, probably on like a Telecaster, it's got a little bit of that twang and just like these little... The lead on this one is Matthew. Is it? Yeah. No, that's cool. Is that true? Uh, according to uh, according to what I'm seeing. Here. Yeah. yeah. I think not on Richard... This yeah, Richard Lloyd comes back with a vengeance on the next track, next I believe. Song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is Matthew. Yeah, you're right. It lists Matthew Sweet as all the guitars on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And actually, that new album that you talked about on Cat's Paw, I mean, it's sort of like that's almost a preview of what we got on the new record, right? Where he's just playing every, everything, you know, yeah. everything. Super yeah. cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, Wayne, what do you got on this one? Um, yeah, it's it's a lot brighter and poppier than the previous song, but I like I think what I like is when people say we're the same, I I guess there's a a natural tendency to believe that's all positive, but he sh- he's he shows in this song that it's that it's not. So, we're the same, but we we both we have some of the same qualities that neither one of us probably like. But like I say, we're the same when we fail in each other's eyes. We're the same when we when we shine in each other's skies. It's not all once again, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time, and yeah. some of that's on him. He's owning that. Yeah, that that is very true. Um, having two opinionated people in um, the same relationship not always a not always a good uh, good formula. So I'll just leave it. There. <laughs> I don't want to get here. In it's trouble. okay. It's okay here. Though, I don't right? want to get in trouble. <laughs> She's not going to listen to this episode either, <laughs> any, either. and so it's all, it's all good. All right, uh, let's get scores. Uh, Wayne, what do you got for score for We're the Same? Six. Okay. Joe? This was eight for me. All right, this was my 11. All right, next song. Giving it back. go from this sweet song to a song about I'm tired of wasting my time away with you and not surprising this uh, this this tracked a little higher for Wayne yeah and and a lot of that's Richard Lloyd I mean he comes back with a vengeance right away you know he's there yeah um, so a lot of it's that but I do like uh, lyrically I think my favorite part is it has there's kind of an amb- ambiguity to it because it's 
I'm tired of wasting my time. I'm giving it back to you. I'm tired. I'm my will to fight has gone away. I'm giving it back to you. Is, that, is she? Is he giving her the will to fight? Uh, is he giving back the time that he feels like's been wasted? Uh, is it good? Is it bad? Is it you know? Yeah. Is it a bag of flaming dog poop on your porch, or is it you know a diamond ring? I think it's the wasted time. I think that that's what. That's what I'm saying. Like say. Yeah. Or he's yeah giving her the ability to waste her own time. Stop wasting mine. That's right. This is you can you can do you can waste your own time. Don't pull me into that tornado with you. I think that that's that that's what I'm getting from this. Only because I think, like you said, Richard Lloyd. You can totally tell when Richard Lloyd is on a song, and this has that uh, snarl to it, which is why I think that that's what what the lyric lyrical interpretation is. yeah the playing is so unhinged but in like all the best ways you know what i mean um it's awesome and it fits right i mean if the lyrics are about this frustration about this you yeah. know go waste your own time don't waste mine you know i mean like the, it, it just it's a perfect match you know music and lyrics absolutely all right um scores this is my three I don't know why. I think I ran out of numbers for this. <laughs> um, Wayne, what do you got? A nine. Okay. And then Joe? So, Ben, you know what's funny? is This was three for me as well, but only because there were so many songs. I This this is like one of my favorites, right? So it was so hard to pick anything and then have to bump something out. Like when we when I started yeah. making the list, I knew what my last favorite, least favorite song would be, but everything else beyond that was really tough. So... If if I was only ranking it based on the lead guitar playing, like Wayne was talking about, this would probably be like ten, you know. Yeah, but as a yeah. whole song and trying to look at it from every angle, it it does track a little lower for me. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. Next song is "Everything Changes." And I'm just noticing that I don't have a single note for this song. So, um, which just goes to show that nothing has changed here, uh, Wayne. I, I I always have, every episode I have at least one or two songs that I don't have any notes and I completely punt it to you. So here you go. Tell me about Everything Changes. I, well, and you can hear his Beatles influence again, um, especially in the harmony vocals, but also in one particular line where he says, like a bird, you'd sooner fly away. Uh, and then the, the solo is really cool, but it, it has this like this Skinnerd feel to it. It's, uh, com- it's completely different. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I did, I did not get the Skinnerd vibe. Now I got to listen. No, I can Just hear where you're coming solo. from with that. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and I did just check because I thought this one was Richard Lloyd, and it is, but it's like a totally different style. I mean, again, when he digs in a little bit, you can tell that it's him, you know, there's a little bit of that raucous thing happening, but it's a much sweeter melodic solo than, you know, in a more traditional kind of way than what you get on some of these other kind of faster tempo tracks. Um, Yeah, I've always just loved the words on the chorus, too, like everything changes, change itself, you know, like that's... I don't know. That sounds like there's almost something 
zen or buddhist about that <laughs> like i don't know it's like everything's yeah. changing even the concept of change you know it's like i don't know i like that simple Ooh. but it's cool that's deep all right um scores wayne what do you got i gave it a two and i wrote down in my notes i wasn't comfortable with the pace and i thought that is so douchey i can't believe i wrote that down <laughs> <laughs> joe what do you got this was seven for me okay this is my five all right. Next tune is Lost My Lost Mind. My mind. gave it uh, i deducted points because he totally quoted the anti-drug slogan in this song <laughs> did he say just say the no? mind no the mind is a terrible thing to waste oh that's right that is a line yeah um it's the longest song on the record at four minutes 44 seconds mostly because of the trippy outro which is probably my favorite part of the song because but this was a song that I skipped back in the day, so I wouldn't have known how cool the outro was because I would have skipped through it. So I'm glad that we got through this exercise again because I got to listen to it. But um, like I said, something had to get a one, and because he used the anti-drug slogan, I felt like that was, um, I don't know, that was just too much. <laughs> hey, you know what? Wayne, you're shaking your head now, but you know you, 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 you give ones because of bad finger claps yeah. or or hey, tambourine. You can, really, or you can really mess something up with a bad tambourine. <laughs> uh, maracas? Don't get me started on maracas. Joe, Joe, before we get started on maracas, tell tell me uh, tell me why lo- lost my mind didn't track high for you either. Yeah, so this was my number one, uh, and. Uh, for me, it's funny. I guess I guess maybe our listening habits are sort of similar, Ben, uh, because I think whether it was back in the 90s when the record was new and I was listening to it then or even now, if there's a song that I might want to skip, it's this one. And I don't know. I mean, that that line about the drug like like the that that never even jumped out at me. Now, now that's all I'm going to hear when I listen to this song um, <laughs> or when I get to that point of the song and then click next. Um, I. I don't know. Maybe it's that it's a little long. I like the psychedelic yeah. thing at the ending. It's trippy. It's really cool if you're listening in headphones. But this this is an this is an album of just like pop rock gems. You know what I mean? And those gems are usually a little bit more tightly constructed. You know, like three and a half minutes, maybe a little more, give or take. And the longer track length, like I dig the different vibe. Like it's cool that Rick Bank is doing that. It's a totally different feel than you get. It's not the traditional like backbeat thing. Yeah, but again, I just think I get a little bored with it, uh, and I, I don't need five minutes of it. I, I think I'm just kind of like ready for it to be done a little sooner. I guess yeah. that's my that's my feeling on it. All right, Wayne. Yeah, I li- I like the trippiness, but I I definitely yeah I hear the Beatles in the later years on this. Um, I like the it's I like all the contradictions that I I don't think as a total song I'm a, as big a fan of it, but I do like when he. You know, uh, speak to me once or a hundred times. Those are words I can't hear. 
dropped like a tail, jumped into my face, stomach the truth. I only tell lies. I mean, he's he's going through all these contradictions. There's a lot. There's death is mentioned twice, um, and a veil and ground and earth. So it has a very uh, it has this you know contemplating mortality kind of feel to it. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily in the lyrics, but that's just some of the words stood out to me. But yeah, it's it's it feels like being on a drug trip for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Just so you know. Uh, Conjures up visions of the eggs, the scrambled eggs on the pan. You remember those commercials? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, One other thing that I thought was funny. um, So I provide the lyrics to, uh, to, to our guests and for, for Wayne and myself and um, Spellcheck did not like the fact that the lyric of the earth, she treat me kind. It really wanted it to change it to treats me kind. Really wanted that extra S, but anyways, there you go. Um, again, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's get scores. Wayne? A three. Joe? Yeah, this was my one. Yeah, this was my one as well. All right, next song, Come to Love. All right, so here here's me justifying my higher score for this one. So I give extra points to this song because there's a line from this that I modified for a short story I wrote in college that was kind of the whole theme of that story. So the, the line of, and you come to love what you used to hate. So I modified it to, we learn to embrace that which we used to abhor. But this was the song that influenced that line and influenced that that short story. So I kind of have that little personal touch on why I dig this song and why it's my it's my ten, um, just because uh, of that. So your, your takes quote me back. is way more academic. <laughs> it was totally it was totally me trying to be an academic. Um, so I did get an A for that short story, by the way. Um, all right. How about you guys? Any anything from from this song that uh, you love, Joe? I like the intro a lot. Uh, I like the intro. I mean, for me, again, I'm a vinyl guy, so I think of this as being the way the second half of the album kicks off. This is like first track on side B, and it doesn't rock the way "Sick of Myself" does, but it's got these really cool like suspended chords happening at the yeah. beginning, and it's jangly and it's great. And then the lead guitar work that kicks in. I don't remember if this is Richard Lloyd. Or one of the other players, but I really do like the lead guitar on this one. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, for me, this is it's 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 a little bit of a middle of the road song, but I, every time it's on, I'm like, oh yeah, this song is great. It's almost like I could forget about it, and then I get to that middle of the album, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is really good too. 
Yeah, come come to love. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, this is Robert Quine I, on this one. Yeah. Well, actually, he's playing the electric rhythm guitar. They're not. Does does really... it tell me who does lead? I don't see who's doing lead on this one. Yeah, the only guys playing guitar are Matthew and then Robert Quine. So maybe it's yeah. just kind of like a shared, you know, because there are yeah. there is some little bit of that kind of riffing back and forth, you know, almost a la television, where it's kind of like these more interlocking guitar parts, where it's less rhythm and lead, just kind of like two guitar parts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, anything on this one? Yeah, I like I say, when I uh, kind of what Joe was saying, this isn't exactly like, uh, it's not as big as Sick of Myself, but it's it's very Matthew Sweet. Like, this is his sound. And you can, you can from, you know, this is what his fifth album, you now, off, you can hear it, you can hear it, it's developed. Um, this one, to me, had a very... Um, not satisfied with the uh, what's happened, like understanding what's happened to his career. Like I had this hit and then I did something I wanted to and it didn't go over very well. So now I'm going to I'm going to try to put a little I'm going to try to play this game a little bit differently. Um, just from the lines like you try to win. The game has no winners. You try to learn. Nothing can be understood. You try to feel all the feeling is gone. It definitely has this like I'd like to do some things that are a little more. They're a little different, maybe explore some different things, but that record didn't do so well. So maybe I'm going to try to mix it up and maybe I'm going to give them a little bit of what they want and somewhere try to find some ways to expand what I into what I want to do. Yeah, I think there's I think this album is a good happy medium on that for sure. All right. Um, let's get scores. Joe, what do you got? Uh, Come to Love was six for me. Okay. Wayne? Ten. Yeah, I'm matching, I'm matching that ten. All right, next song is Walk Out. So I had a look. This is harpsichord, right? Yeah. Because um, it it almost plays like the theme music for the monkeys or the monsters. I can't. I I haven't been able to figure out is it is it the well, monsters or I the monkeys or maybe both. The monsters theme had a harpsichord, but I think what I do think it's the monkeys because it has this very '60s feel. The harp yeah. scored because um, this is the one song, and I heard it earlier. I want to say on the second song, you can. He worked with Michael Stipe on some stuff when he when he you know he went to college in Athens. So yeah. there's this one. I I think the harpsichord kind of spreads out that because there's an REM feel, not only just from the mandolin, but there's another element to it that really reminds me of REM. And it's funny, is the harpsichord kind of kind of even kind of evens it out and kind of removes it from that a little bit. That's a really good call. I, I never, I never really thought. I mean, I always knew about the REM connection, right? Like, didn't didn't Matthew Sweet play in a band with Michael Stipe's sister or something like that? Like, once upon a time, yeah. back yeah, in I Athens, they Georgia. They did something. They did something together. I don't know. I I, cu- I couldn't say. I, I remember what point they said it was, but they they worked together on something. They were yeah. 
whether it was writing songs together or they had a little thing. But yeah, there was a connection with that. And like I say, the mandolin, there's something about it rhythmically that reminded me of R.E.M. And then when I, I heard the mandolin, I'm like, well, that's that's not a coincidence. And then, But the harpsichord kind of <laughs> just kind of pulls it back from that and makes it so it's a little harder to hear. Yeah. I never really thought about the R.E.M. connection with this song, but now that you're saying it, right, and it's not just the harpsichord, it's like that whole kind of like, minor tonality it's a little bit like you know like the one i love or something like that like it it, it it's absolutely r-e-m-esque and i don't think i ever thought of it that way but i think that's spot on um yeah. i like the song though and i like i like that you know the lead guitar kind of sounds like you know it's like that old spaghetti western sound you know what i mean it's uh yeah. it's cool yeah all right uh scores so um so walk out at, that's my seven joe this was a four for me. All right, Wayne. I gave it an eight, and I like say lyrically, I think it's a it's almost a continuation of what I kind of got from the previous song, where he's talking about not you know not being satisfied with what they were trying to turn him into. I mean, especially that the line where you were brought into this world with a head full of good ideas, but the person you became, well, you just couldn't be for real. Yeah. All right, that's good stuff. All right, I almost forgot his next. Anyone else got a uh, Winona vibe to this one? I think that's fair. It's one of my favorite songs on Girlfriend. Um, yeah. This one pales in comparison, but um, still a good song. Winona is a jam. I I think that this because I, I was listening to this this record again a couple of days ago with thinking about the thorns and the harmonies. This would have been a really good song to be remade as a thorn song could you could you imagine hearing this with pete roge and sean mullins on it the harmonies that would be good yeah that'd be, That'd lush. be good stuff uh anyways um joe what else you got on i almost forgot so i, I love this song i feel like um like when i w- when i first owned this album and i was like a teenager i feel like I probably heard Sick of Myself and then those first few tracks, and I was most familiar with those. But then, as is often the case, you know, you don't listen as deep into the album, or at least not as many times. And I feel like when I got a little older and I started rediscovering the record and then rediscovering his whole catalog, and then little by little being like, oh my God, this stuff is so good. This song always jumped out at me as being one of my favorites. There's that lyric where he says, You should never have to choose. Um, whenever you win, you know I'm wishing you lose, so you know I love you. And there's something about that phrasing and that sort of bittersweet thing and the irony. I, I don't know. It gets me a little bit. Maybe not as much as some of his other songs that I referenced earlier, but it's really, really good. And then you add to that the pedal steel. Like when the lyrics yeah. are done and that pedal steel kind of swoops in at the end, it's, it's gorgeous. It's one of the nicest musical moments on the whole album, in my opinion. 
Wayne, I'm going to assume that you um, highlighted those same lyrics because I did. Yeah, I I actually there's a couple. I the way that goes from so you know I love you. I almost forgot. And even when yeah. he does it in the first one, did you say you love me? I almost forgot. There's some oh, cool yeah. phrases in it. I didn't like the pedal steel. It doesn't sound like I. I don't know that I'm used to. I'm accustomed to a pedal steel sounding, and it and it uh, and there's also something that was just clunky in the in the groove. Like it didn't. I knew this was my lowest score from the first time I heard it, and I the pedal steel was your maracas for this one. Is that what you're telling me? I, I know, and it was, and it's funny as I I love the pedal steel guitar, um, but it, this one it just um, the way it's used and the and there's a there is something what some kind of an effect is either not being used or being used. That I didn't. That I don't okay. like. So lowest score. Yes. All right, Joe. Uh, where was this one's going to be a lot higher for me? This was my nine. All right, and I'll meet you somewhere in the middle there. This is my six. All right, next song, Super Baby. wanted to use some lyrics for Wayne's introduction on this, but I couldn't figure out a way to call him a super baby without coming across. It's just a real douche. So, um, <laughs> Wayne, you like this more than Joe and me. So what is it about this song? Yeah. Well, I think coming off of the last one, there's always this, I don't know, some sort of, ref- and this is once again, it's going back into the wheelhouse of what I love on this album. Um, I like, and there's just so much guitar on this one. And I, um, Robert Quine's solo, he's got, he's putting a bunch of tremolo into it in spots. Um, I like that the, the sound is kind of dark, kind of much kind of something you would have heard out of Seattle in the nineties, but the lyrics are just a big gooey love song. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, what, what do you got on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the guitar interplay on this one, right from that ban and all those bendy guitars, and there's like, you know, the cool bends, and I mean, like, so based on the guitar interplay, if the lyrics were something different, this would be a lot higher on my list, but I've always thought the the lyrics on this one were sort of like, eh, kind of trite, or kind of just, I don't know, it feels a little phoned into me, lyrically, Um it's not bad. It's just it doesn't it doesn't reach the highs that some of these other songs do. Um, so for me, it ranks pretty low, and that's I think more because of what it is lyrically. But musically, I think it's super cool. Yeah, lyrically, I wrote down so the 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 verse of a mountain higher than my dream, a dawn on fire, you will sing. Um, my notes were, I'm assuming that he is like quoting maybe some '60s or '70s songs on there, but. I couldn't figure out which ones he's kind of giving homage to. So, uh, ain't no mountain high enough. That's uh, that's kind of what the, I thought the, the about. The line that like, stood yeah. out to me, the line that stood out to me, and not so much for its greatness or whatever, was uh, "I said it to your face, so it can't be erased." Which in 1993 felt like a, f- a phone message reference, but it just yeah. made me laugh because yeah. in the 21st century literally nothing is everything is forever like you can even say it to their face and their camera phones probably on 
it's on the internet. It'll never go away. Yeah. You can tweet it and delete it. Fourteen seconds later, it's still out there. Somebody, somebody took a screenshot of it. Uh, all right. Um, which one were we at? Oh, super, super baby. All right, Wayne, all right. your score. I gave it an eleven. All right, and Joe. Well, it was his second favorite. It was my second least favorite. This was this was two for me. All right, this is my four. All right, and this is the theme song for Wayne and I. This is Get Older. <laughs> Sorry. wasn't trying to call you old but you are ah, and i'm getting older joe uh anything on get older i mean it's i the, have it's the, i've i've no notes again this is the type of song that i mean maybe not surprisingly just it takes on more meaning and significance with each passing year you know what i mean the whole concept of not not like who cares like who cares what other people think and who cares if you fit in anymore and you know like what what is this thing you're chasing anyway you know like it doesn't matter um so i i like that you know i've obviously we were talking about some of my own music earlier and i i talk about you know getting older and what that is you know and what it feels like and you know just grappling with it it's weird it's weird for everybody you know whether you're in your 30s and going i'm not in my 20s anymore or you're in your 50s and you're like oh what happened to my 40s like it doesn't matter at what stage of life you're in it's weird it's a weird thing to contemplate it's a weird thing to talk about so i just think the older you are and the more sort of experience you have behind you a song like this just gets better um yeah yeah this feels like um how i feel about social media a lot <laughs> this is how i feel about millennials <laughs> <laughs> somebody posts something that they ate at you know the 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 local poke place and they were super happy that they got this poke and but, you know that you were happy for today and who cares it's just it's get just off poke. my lawn it's just poke <laughs> so i don't know uh that totally sounded like i was a curmudgeon and <laughs> but yeah get off my lawn um i didn't mean it to come off that way no, but it makes sense, right? Like, like, why, why are we all so fixated on these like fleeting things that don't matter? You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody's, everybody's, you know, Facebook and Instagram feed. You know, look at me and look at this thing that I did. Look where I was. Look what I ate. And it's just like, who cares? Really, yeah. who cares? <laughs> I don't know. That's probably what a lot of people think about the podcast as well. So you know, who well, cares? That's probably what a lot of people think about the music I make. It's what people think about a lot of things, you know, every, everyone's, everyone's a critic. <laughs> so, yeah. Who cares? I do. I do. <laughs> this right. guy. Uh, all right. Uh, this is my two Wayne. Um, I gave it a five. Does anybody else hear the, the laws? There she goes in the beginning of this. Oh, no, no. I'm going to have to re-listen to it though. Yeah. Me but too. I also, but I, at 52, I love the sentiment. Like you don't know what you got. Um, that line, you know, directed right towards the young. And then where it says, uh, the world will fall into its place. You may be sad when you get older. You might be happy just to stay. Yeah. All right. I love it. Joe, what's your score? This was also five for me. Okay. And then let's wrap up the album. This is Smog Moon.
spite. And I'm just gonna punt over to Joe because I I have the benefit of seeing scores in advance. So, what is it about Smog Moon? Man, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the perfect album closer, yes. right? I mean, right? Because I sure. mean, you can always you can always you can decide what way you want to end your album, right? Like, are you gonna go? Are you are you going epic? You know, are you going Abbey Road style, or are you gonna end with like a little acoustic ditty, or are you gonna end with something like a ballad, but it's gonna be really poignant and it's gonna be really whatever, or are you just gonna rock it out? I mean, like this song is the perfect ending to this album for me. Um, and I have to be honest, I, I don't know that I've ever fully, I don't know that I've fully under ever understood where what he wanted us to interpret in the lyrics. There's a lot of ambiguity, which we talked about earlier, yeah. a lot of ambiguity, you know, um, and, but it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome ambiguity. He, he, I mean, he talks a lot about nature in his lyrics. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of like earth and sky and rain and storms. Like he, he, he loves to talk about like just, you know mother nature you know and the elements and like that that's always been a, a been a cornerstone of his lyrics and you can see that on display here um but it's something about the lift for me the sort of it's really subdued and then when it breaks into that chorus it's mm-hmm. just it's just soaring it's so good um so that's this one this is this ranks super high for me and i that's i guess the reason why yeah, and if you listen to my comments from the last song, I guess you could highlight the lyrics of "There's a lost man with a bitter soul." <laughs> so he lives in get off my he lawn, lives in Florida. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel much the same as Joe. Like this, it's I guess listening to it, it doesn't sound like what I've you know what I've given high scores to and what I ex- what I expect and want to hear from Matthew Sweet, and this time it just it work perfectly. I, the first time I heard it, like I wish I could have given, I could have given this a much higher score. I just was trying to balance out uh, the other yeah. songs, but it, it really is. <laughs> it's a sleeper. Like it just like this song, whenever it would come on, I, I immediately kind of stopped what I was doing to focus on it. Um, yeah. All of my theories on the lyrics revolve around the word smog, which always makes me think of LA um, mm-hmm. um, also the cartoon trees thing makes me think, you know, of Hollywood, Disneyland. So there, it, it had a very disillusion with the music industry kind of feel, especially even that line you referenced, there's a lost man with a bitter soul. Only a moment did make life, make life, make him whole. There were some other lines about, you know, burning like a golden lie. I fell so far. Uh, and even then where he calls, I'm a fade, which, I don't know if that rhymed better than fad or not that he was ever a fad, but there was just a lot of little things in there. Uh, once you, once I put the kind of the LA reference to it that I went with, but we didn't discuss yeah. it with Matthew sweet. So I could be completely off base. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. We missed another opportunity real quick. The other line that I think for me, it was, it was resonating early. I listened to the album again today. I had made my ranking and I listened through like, bits and pieces. I mostly did the ranking just knowing where I think I fell with the songs. Yeah. But then I was listening again before we did this just earlier. The line that kept jumping out was um, that we are all made as an afterthought, destined to believe that we are what we are not. Uh, that's that's an awesome line. I mean, it's, you know, he's obviously trying to say a lot with very few words, which to me is always like the mark of a good songwriter. You know, we talked about Paul Westerberg. We talked about Tom Petty. And I think part of the reason why those guys are so great 
and so enduring and why they're such heroes of mine is because it's like they can literally tell you everything in like two lines you know what i mean like it's like yeah. like wow you just summarized the entire like what it is to live and you just did it in like one verse that's insane um and the, i don't know when a line can do that good on you yeah. man like that's that's awesome i mean <laughs> like, we're we're recording this the week that our Joni mitchell episode came out and one of the things that we talked about if you remember wayne was just the economy of words um, that, that, that Joni uses. And it was always poignant because it's like, yeah, all she had to do is throw out maybe two or three lines and you get the, the entire essence of, of what this person is like. And, um, that's a gift, man. That's a, that's a gift to be able to do that. So, all right. Um, scores, Joe, I think we already know what your, what your score is, but Give it yeah, to this us. Is, this is top dog for me. This was 12. All right. Wayne? I gave it a 7, and I didn't mention that there's some uh, very nice tambourine work that was uncredited from Wikipedia. I couldn't find out who was working <laughs> that thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is my 8. All right. So uh, this is the point where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I think we got the majority of it. I think we got it. Even though we have a couple, we have a couple questions. <laughs> we have from a couple follow-up questions. We have some follow-ups from Matthew. All right. Uh, any guesses on? Oh, I already, I already spoiler, spoiler alerted alert. on. Yeah. What? What, what was, was sick of sick of myself? The, the top. Sick of myself is top. What do you think number two is? Smog moon. Maybe we're the same. Smog moon. Yeah. Oh, it is this one. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's number yeah. two. Uh, third is Come to Love. Fourth, with an average score of 8.33, is We're the Same. And then rounding out our top five is Not When I Need It. And not surprising, Lost My Mind was our least favorite song. That's that's a solid top five. Oh, yeah. 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 Joe, this was fun. <laughs> this was, a, this was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, really fun talking with you both. Glad, glad we, uh, glad we made it happen. Glad, glad I had some openings where I'm like, you just, just come on. <laughs> just, yeah. No, I, I thank you again for the invite. Yeah, I've done that a few times with people. Unfortunately, I don't know if we're gonna have that many open recording uh, time slots going forward, Wayne. Since um, part oh, of our Patreon. Don't. Yeah. No. Part, oh, part right. of our Patreon. But you're going to put it on me. So so if you contribute at a certain level on Patreon, we will invite you to pick a record and come on the podcast. So uh, just go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash records revisited podcast, and you can find uh, out how you can, uh, you can be like Joe. And you can come on the podcast. You can promote whatever the crap you want to. We will give you that platform. Um you can talk about math. You can talk about your record. You can talk about I don't know, um, biohazardous material. I don't. I don't know what. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. Um, certain topics that are off limits, Wayne. No. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. So, uh, Joe, tell tell people where they can find all the happenings of uh, Joe. Joe, uh, and we're not going to say Benoit. <laughs> 
Joe I mean, Benoit. say it if it floats your boat. I mean, because plenty of people just pronounce it that way anyway, even after I tell them I don't say it that way. But uh, if you if you would like to listen to Joe Benoit, uh, you can look up Joe Benoit Music, uh, and that, it'd B-E-N-O-I-T for the unenlightened. Um, but yeah, JoeBenoitMusic.com, that has the whole, it has the new album and the whole back catalog. It's essentially just a, 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 a souped up Bandcamp page. So for people who use Bandcamp, that's essentially what's powering that. And then all the usual places, you know, if you'd rather listen to my music so that every time you stream it, I make a, you know, a, a, a third of a cent, um, you could instead go to Spotify or Apple Music, Amazon, yada, 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 YouTube, whatever. Well, I think Wayne contributed to, you had to have made maybe two or three cents off of us this week. Sweet, because I I did listen to your record a couple times, oh, and that makes thank that's you. perfect because my favorite song was "Paying the Toll." Oh, thank there, you, there you thank go. you. Right. I like that one. I like that one. It's unfortunate that it feels it felt timely when I wrote it, and it felt timely in the last couple years, and then through the election cycle, <laughs> and still today, you know, it's just like okay, <laughs> the world is broken. We must accept this. Is that that's the one that has some clips, news clips? Right? Uh, oh, well, you think it? Yeah, well, that's on the so new record. This was yeah. The no, new record that's... has that song, which is basically just a it's just a, just a complete commentary on the Trump presidency. But that's yeah. um our divided house. That's what that's it was. that one. That's what it was. Which we're still divided. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't see that going away anytime soon. But no. eh. right. what can we do? There we go. There is a topic that I don't want to go down, Wayne. Well, it's funny how it made me smile, though, because I don't hear that fucking raving lunatic anymore. Uh, and it, and it just, so it made me smile. <laughs> yeah. It's nice is, feeling like you can breathe, right? <laughs> yeah. He is smiling brightly right now. You guys can't see the video, but he, he is he's smiling. He's smiling. Ugh. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the socials. Just look for me at Podcast Records on Twitter. And the Facebook page is Records Revisited Podcast. Pretty easy to find. Wayne has the Instagram page. Where Records Revisited Podcast, just like the Facebook page. Yeah, not, not as updated as much as the Facebook page because you still haven't promoted this week's episode it on just Instagram. Didn't it just come out today? Yeah, but well, come on. Geez, the day is not over. Calm down. <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my polite way of going. Get, 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 come on. Come on, Wayne. Come on, old man. You can do this. All right. Find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find find podcasts like this one. Of course, go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to the live show, but kind of know the drill on that. So uh, support your favorites on their live stream events. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Um, Yeah. Maybe you can go out and get a uh, one-eyed cat t-shirt like I have with uh, Christopher Griffith's t-shirt or um, Ramones or um, Matthew Sweet. Go go go! support your favorites. Go buy a t-shirt. Make sure you also buy a record. And um, we are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. <laughs> My timing was awful. Out. <laughs> It's it's never on time. It's yeah. all good. It's only slightly better with video now. It used to be all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's not this is not a Matthew Sweet harmony, that's for sure. <laughs>